Welcome to a Healthy Move podcast. I'm your host, Di Shepherd, a reformed corporate workaholic turned health and wellness advocate and women's fitness coach. I'm also mum to an energetic little boy and Aussie expat with a passion for embracing ways to live a renewed, healthier way of life. Join me each week as I share hints, tips, and real conversations on all things health, fitness, and well-being to help make a healthy move for a life that you love. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into A Healthy Move. And if you are new here, welcome. I'm your host, Di Shepherd, and to all my regular listeners, a massive hello and thank you to you for joining me today. Now, some of you know I'm an Aussie expat living in Singapore, and I've been here for a number of years now, and previously to that, I also lived in the United States. And from time to time, I have been asked by family, friends, or even new people that I meet, well, what is it really like to be an expat? And how do you cope moving your life to a whole new country, starting anew, navigating your way around and making new friends and connections? And the more recent question, I guess, from a lot of people has been, what it was it like being outside of your home country during the COVID-19 pandemic, particularly when borders were shut for such a long period of time? So on this episode, I've decided to invite my good friend and fellow expat, Bethany, to chat with me as we explore some of these topics, some of the learnings that we've made during and outside of the pandemic as expats and more. Now, Bethany was born in California in the United States. However, she has basically been an expat all her life since she was just five years old, returning to the States for only some brief periods of time And she now continues to live the expat life with her own family, comprising of her husband, who incidentally has also been an expat as a child, her two children, a cat and a dog now too. So I thought she was the perfect person to help provide some insight into the life of being an expat. Now, just for some context, we recorded this chat around the middle of June 2022, just before Bethany's move to a brand new country. So we do reference a few things relating to COVID restrictions, both here in Singapore and overseas, which have since changed quite a lot from the time of this recording. So just bear that in mind. But I do feel it still gives you a really well-rounded view as to what it's like to adapt, change and manage our mental health and make new connections as an expat on the move, both prior to and during the pandemic. So without any further rambling from me, let's listen to my chat with my good friend, Bethany Dawn Rosencrantz. Welcome to the Healthy Move podcast, Bethany. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. How are you? Yeah, thank you for the invite. I'm I'm honored to be a part of this for you. Never in my wildest dreams imagined I'd be part of recording a podcast, but um, I'm very excited. It'll be one of those things you can put on your list of things that you've accomplished. So today we're chatting about expat life together, and I want to thank you so much for being here firstly. I wanted to share with the audience a bit of insight about behind what it's like to be an expat and some of the challenges that we face when living away from home countries, and also how that has panned out during the course of the pandemic. And I wanted to interview you especially since you've been pretty much an expat all your life, right? Yeah, yeah, I almost don't know how to be a local. I know, because you're actually American, right? 
I, I am. And both of my parents are American. I was born in the U.S. Before I even turned five years old, I remember my parents came home super excited. It was probably the day they decided to tell my sisters and I, um, but that we would be moving halfway across the world. Uh, oh my gosh. And as little kids in Houston, Texas, we were thrilled to be moving to Norway, where there would be snow and mountains, and we didn't know what to expect, but um, it was presented to me as, as something that was really exciting, and that's kind of what we took with us as kids, that, all right, well, the whole family's excited, we're going to do this, and it's going to be fun. That's fantastic. That's such an insight, particularly for me, because I often wonder how my son takes it all on board, but, I mean, he's been traveling since he was two and a half weeks old, so he didn't really have a choice. So <laughs> I have to sit down and talk to him about it, but it's so interesting to see your perspective, I guess, as that little five-year-old girl thinking mm-hmm. back that moment when her parents sat down and told her where that they were going away and <laughs> going to Norway of all places. Yeah, very, very different, and it felt very far away at the time. Of course, this was before email and that level of connectivity and of course you could do long distance phone calls but they were super expensive and I remember even um, my parents giving me guidance when we would have kind of scheduled calls with grandparents then they would remind me ahead of time uh, if grandma or grandpa asks you something you have to respond with words they can't see you nodding your head and those kinds of things that I mean I had to adjust to. I, I just can't even imagine I think, I mean, I can, obviously, because I've lived in an era before the internet and email as well, but it would be very different having to think about, you know, phone calls back home to stay in contact with grandparents and that sort of thing, whereas now we have FaceTime and it's a lot easier. It it is, it is, and it isn't, right? Kind of the expectation is that it's all easy now, and sometimes it's still not as easy as all that because I had... I had children now also far away from my parents and my children were not as interested in sitting in front of the screen and engaging. So although the option is there, the interest and maturity level and things, it, it has to all come together and it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. I think it's because we're all so connected now. It's almost like we take it for granted and the kids have grown up with it. So they just feel like they can maybe access it any time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas I think, but you know, back in our day, God, we sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> the good old telephone with no video calls and, um, yeah, having to schedule times and things with time zones is, is a lot different. But in terms of, of feeling how I felt as a kid being abroad, um, I think how my parents presented things played a huge role in it. Um in subsequent moves, when we were five and a half years later leaving Norway, uh, I felt like I had some input. Um, my parents did did talk to my sisters and I about what was coming next, and we didn't actually have much choice at the time. It was one of those situations of uh, thou shalt move here yeah. or, or no longer have employment for my father. Um, and And we felt a little bit apprehensive about that you know it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows 
Okay. Um, but it was presented in a way of, well, let's try this together. And if we, if it doesn't work out, then we find something else. Yeah. And, and I felt involved in that level of family decision-making. Um, I felt like I had the ability to say, yeah, I like this or no, I don't. That's so good that your parents presented it to you in that light. I think there's obviously ways of presenting things with anything really. So Uh um, they've given you the best chance to, I guess, accept it and see it as an adventure. Yeah. And I think that's how, how it always has been yeah, presented. Yeah. And that's, that's also once you, once you try something like moving, I felt like I got bit by the bug and I'm now infected. I don't know how to stay still for an eternity. Yeah. Uh, Doing it all your life. So I guess you've not really known anything else. No, no. I did say I don't really know how to be a local. I, I don't. I know how to be a foreigner abroad. Well, that's a learning process to say that I know how to be that. That's it, every place, every location is um, has its own flavor and it's a learning process. But um, I know that feeling. Yeah. I, I don't actually know how to be a local. I don't. The, the closest I have is um, uh, now having spent a good portion of my adult life in Denmark. Um, the closest I have is that. Yes. Of course, yeah. So you first moved to Norway, and then can you list any of the other countries out? Like, were, was there anything, whether it was a particular standout, or yeah, can you list all the countries? Do you even yeah, remember? Yeah, I, I can. They're not, they're not so many. Um, I, As a child, we relocated every few years, but the shortest stint was two years. Okay. So after Norway, we moved back to the United States, um, to Louisiana. We were there for only two years. And in fact, that's what we were feeling, well, I, what I felt a little bit apprehensive about. Um, but it was so lovely. The, the southern states in the U.S. have, you know, their warm southern hospitality and it felt really welcoming. And I felt, um, I felt like a sense of belonging quite quickly there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably age wise as well. I was 10 years old and an American child. I knew that. And finally I had, um, a little bit of local American culture to kind of cling on to. Yeah. Um, and was it the only time you spent in America after obviously being a child up to the age of five years? Uh, yes, until I studied. Okay. So from, Louis- yep. from Louisiana, we moved to uh, Venezuela. We were there for four years. And then um, to Denmark, where I finished my high school studies was there for the last two years. Where did you study in America? In Pennsylvania. Gosh, you really so, all over the place. Well, and again, completely new. I had no connection to Pennsylvania. I didn't know anybody there. I had never been to Pittsburgh um, before starting studies. So yeah. it was very, very new. One of the early days, I needed something from uh, the pharmacy, uh, something over the counter. I don't remember if it was, you know, band-aids or something very simple, but I didn't know where it was. And a friend of mine told me, oh, there's a CVS around the corner this way. And I looked at her, what CVS? Um, just because the, the, the store names, I didn't know. 
No, exactly. I mean, I know what CVS is because I've lived in the States for a period of time. So for those of us that don't know, CVS is a pharmacy and it's quite a big chain and everyone just refers to it as the CVS. Right. And here was me, an American young adult, not knowing that that's very standard knowledge. It must feel weird coming back and and having to, I guess, acclimatise into a place that you originally born but not necessarily experienced everything growing up. But um, what were the best things about being an expat as a young kid? Two, two things that kind of stand out for me. Um, one is the uh, closeness to family. As I felt like um, my sisters and I and, and my parents had a, a special kind of bond. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that friends played a different role as well. We often um, took family vacations with other friends. And, and that offered a different kind of connection, that we were experiencing the local region together, um, usually as also expat families. Yeah, that expat community thing is, is a really important one, I think, even as adults. Yeah, when we would go away together, then that was like, had we, had we stayed instead close to family, that probably would have been travel with the cousins and aunts and uncles. But instead, it was, you know, substitute family, families from school, families from church that we would travel with and vacation with and play with those kids. And Yeah, that connection is really important because you don't have, I guess, that extended family connection necessarily when you're traveling around from country to country. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that is part of the negative, really. But are there any other things that you feel you may have missed out on as a child when you're traveling as an expat? Oh, it's always a little bit of a plus and minus, right? Like I, I can't, I don't have the comparison to say that this is exactly what I missed out on. I, I think Rook is what I was uh, craving a little bit of as a child. Because even just that question of, well, where are you from? Uh, usually I'll turn it around and I'll say I was born in California. Or um, I can I can get away quite easily just saying I'm from the United States when I'm outside. But when I'm in the U.S., uh, it's a hard one to answer. Yeah, of course. Um, and now as an adult, I guess how does it compare to being a child? Can you compare it at all? Like I guess you're seeing different things as an adult as opposed to as a child, <laughs> different responsibility. I really enjoyed being an expat kid. And so I had these grand dreams of um, being an expat family now with my husband, with kids, um, and and moving around uh, together. I have to say it is harder than my parents made it look when I was a child. Yeah. Um, there are... It's not. It's, uh, I, I'm loving it. I'm. I'm not uh, regretting the decision at all. Um, but it is clear there are clearly more things to take into account than I was aware of as a child. <laughs> yeah. um, things like schooling and even just being aware of what the community can and will look like in a new place. I had an expectation that it would just come naturally because we always found it. As a, when I was a kid, yeah. and I think it does come more naturally when you're a child in a school setting where you meet other children, 
of course because you're with them every day yeah. Um, yeah as as the adult and in my case a trailing spouse I don't have a natural friend network that just comes you have to work a little bit harder even to meet um parents of uh the kids friends or yeah other 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 buddies to do hobbies with yeah I mean, as an adult, when you're moving around from country to country, I mean, I think it is hard to make friends as an adult anyway, but when you're moving around, it's just that added extra thing that I think you really need to put yourself out there and seek out those friendships. You really do. And and I think actually part of the difficulty for me has been um, being able to describe myself in a, in a way where I can find the find the right people um and kind of what i mean with that is that identity is always evolving right and you have new interests that come up and um, absolutely when you when you move in into a new community people are friendly they will always ask like oh what kind of things are you into well sometimes i haven't known what that answer is yeah. has been well I'd really like to try to get into something completely different and I don't have any experience with it yeah um, but it's not as natural as oh yeah I golf I uh, do you know any golf networks oh yeah well there are these and these people who also do that you might try connecting with them it, if you have a clear idea I think it's easier to find the network um but I've, I've definitely experienced before where I've been looking for something a bit new and not known how to find that network I think, um, are, are there things that you have learned along the way that's made it easier to, to find those networks and, or to try new things when you arrive in a different country? Yes. So I think I've had a very good experience here in Singapore. Um, now joining, um, a, an expat community. There, there are many of them. For me specifically, I, I joined the, um, Australia New Zealand network. Um, and I, I've found that in joining the network, people are really looking for the same thing. It's people that are here. Um, some of them have been here for a while. Some of them not as long, but it's a very transient community and everybody is looking to make new connections and new friends and uh, find those new hobbies together. Yeah. And I so think when you join those kinds of networks, like everybody has the same goal, like everyone's joining it to find that connection and find new hobbies to do or to at least have you know, that friend to talk to or someone on the ground that maybe has the experience in the country that you're going to. Yes, and I think inevitably there's somebody, somebody knows someone who is a good connection. Oh, well, if you're looking for, you know, sewing classes, talk to this person. Uh, I know that they did something some months back. They might have a good recommendation for you. And um, I think that's what I was missing beforehand. I thought that I would be able to make these connections naturally and organically without the network. Um, totally. And I can totally relate to do. I think I think I did the same thing. It's it's totally possible, but it's so much more work. Um and particularly when you're when you're not in a location for forever and ever, when when it's temporary, two, three, four, five years, um, why waste the time working so hard looking for it by yourself? I think it's it's been a learning process for me, but I think the learning is that I am ready and willing to tap into the network when it's there. Yeah, absolutely. 
and you'll take that to the next country you're going to because, you know, as the time of recording, you're about to, or you are packing up this week and heading to your new country that you're going to be settling in for the next however long period. Yes, we are packing up the house's inboxes and we are planning our move to Poland. Yeah, wow. That's such a brave and, you know, different country that um, I guess I probably wouldn't have necessarily had on my list of places that I was going to head to next. So that's a very exciting adventure ahead of for you and your family. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it, not something that we had foreseen uh, a lot in advance, but I, I am excited about it. I, I don't have very many... Um, expectations of what it will be like to live in Poland. I've never been to Poland myself. I've never visited, but I'm really looking forward to it. The idea that I have in my head is kind of a healthy, balanced, fresh lifestyle. Yeah, I've been to Poland. I don't know that much about living in Poland per se, but it is a beautiful country to visit and so much history as well. Yeah, lots of history. And when you get there, have you got any plans to make those connections when you get there, like something that you might do differently this time when you get there? So I haven't put in all the work yet. I think uh, at at this point, the legwork has mostly been in the logistics of actually uh, moving our households to Poland. Household sure. and animals and, and kids. Oh, you got animals too. I forgot that part. <laughs> you came um, with Yeah, you're going with two. Yes, we came with a cat and we leave with a cat and a dog. So I, I have not yet put in the legwork of uh, finding the different groups that exist. Um, but I absolutely have that high on my list. Um, and I don't think I'm going to wait long upon arrival to tap into the, to that. Yeah, dive in straight away and um, it's, see what it's you so worth it. It's so worth it. The sooner the better because Everybody needs some community. If it's, you know, a person to have a coffee with or somebody to go for a walk with, um, it, it's so needed. That social yeah. contact, for me at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably what I struggled with the most when I first got here because I think Singapore is such a transient um, expat community and expat life that exists here. I think maybe more so in this country than some of the others um that are out there. I mean, you can go to any country as an expat, really, but I think Singapore is a very popular destination for expat community. And, yeah, it was just – I would definitely do things differently myself when I when I get somewhere else or, like, you know, now being here and living through the pandemic, um, you know, just to put myself out there a little bit more and find those communities where there are other people wanting to make connections with other people. And I think as humans, we are designed to connect with other people. Yeah, yeah. But oddly, somehow, I think, I, I don't know if um, it's a learned behavior or natural, but we have also this little bit of self-guarding. When you pass somebody in a cafe or, you know, it can be somebody, there are plenty of people that I see um, in our local neighborhood that I know who they are. I might know, know, I might know where they live, but I have not actually had any interaction with, and I think Singapore is a very safe place. I'm, I'm not 
I'm not worried about talking to strangers in that regard. But I think I need to be a little bit more. I need to remind myself to be a bit open sometimes and just say, oh, hi. Yeah. And that's that's where I appreciate having a dog now. I feel like I'm a bit more friendly on the streets. Yes, this is true. It's almost like the dog is your your piece of the puzzle or what is it? It's, it's the piece that sort of connects you to the other people. It, even just like the conversation starter. Yes. Um, and, it, and I think as you were talking about that piece, it just reminded me that, you know, being in Singapore, there's, there is so many expats, so everyone's in, already in their own little group or whatever, so people are on guard sometimes as to, oh, how long are you going to be here for and is it worth spending my time to make friends with you? I feel like I get that sort of um, aspect from things too. So, But, I mean, you just have to keep trying and put yourself out there and reciprocate with um, with different things and, um, you know, try to make friends as best as you can. Yeah, I think I think you've said it. Putting yourself out there is key because some connections will block them and many won't, but you don't have the opportunity to build a relationship if you don't try somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I sort of touched a little bit about the pandemic. I, I mentioned the word, <laughs> the pandemic. How has it been living through the pandemic, particularly as an expat? Like, how has it impacted the kids? How has it impacted you? Um, well, I think everybody has their own pandemic story. And first of all, I think at some point or another, it was very difficult for just about everybody globally. I, I think here in Singapore, I feel quite lucky in a sense that um, – before there were any vaccinations and things, I felt quite safe. Uh, Singapore is a place of many rules, yeah. and um, and people follow them. And so then I felt like things were structured in a way where risk really was minimized. Um, and the time that we were made to isolate at home was, relatively speaking, quite short. Um, the children were home from school on distance learning for two months. Well, happened again later, but mostly out <laughs> is the two months in the beginning. Um, that was tough. I think it would have it would have been tough for anybody, but it was also also tough being far away from family because we weren't allowed to socialize with other households. Yeah. Um, we're in a different time zone. So even calling family back home to have some kind of social connection was difficult. Mm. Um, and I think the hardest part was carving out time for myself. And in fact, um, I did, I did make an effort uh, in, in lockdown period to do actually really start exercising on a regular basis and I think for my kids it was kind of um they looked at me funny like what's going on what are you doing (laughs) I so needed the time and the space and actually the physical engagement to help get me through that yeah I feel exercise was was definitely an important piece of the puzzle to get through um, but for me, it was it was both the re- rebalancing, feeling like I actually spent some energy in a good way, 
um, and also just the the me time, having some space to to dedicate to myself. Yeah, for sure. And I know your kids, your kids' school in particular, they were um, they were what do I want to say? They were imp- um, implementing mindfulness activities for them too, which I thought was was really great. Was that sort of heightened or ramped up even more so over the pandemic period? Yes, I think so. Um, You're right. I actually hadn't really processed that, but um, that absolutely was part of the program. Teachers were very supportive, first of all, of the fact that it was learning by distance. Um, I think that the tools that they uh, eventually got to, I think the first kind of two, three weeks of distance learning, they were a nightmare. Um, We got to a place where there was a clear schedule, a rhythm, something totally doable. There was also plenty of understanding that the whole family is at home. There might be other things going on. There's a lot of emotion. Um, Number one priority is just making sure that everybody's in a healthy state of mind. So if there were um, assignments that had to be done a little bit more creatively, there was space for that. Uh, And uh, for physical education, we were getting great learning for some meditation, some yoga, some, well, different options to make sure that everybody was was in a good, good place. That is so awesome. That it really is. And it sort of takes the pressure off you and your husband as adults. And also because your husband's working from home as well. So you're everyone there um, in yeah. the household. And at least then you've at least the kids have got some kind of, I guess, health and wellness practice in there amongst everything else that they're dealing with from being at home and not being around their school buddies at the yeah. time. Yeah. And then what about you? Besides the exercise, was there anything else that you, I guess, adopted like health or wellness strategies during this time on top of what you usually do? I don't know that I have changed completely. Um, I think some of it's come about subconsciously. After after going through a period of lockdown, I, I am very rule abiding if somebody gives me a rule it's i have to work very hard to break it for a very good reason so when when singapore told me stay inside and don't group don't even go out uh, multiple adults in one group um we're talking about in the same family we were more or less recommended to not to not go outside um altogether and so I I did not. And I think coming out of lockdown, I was roaring to get outside. Yeah. Um, I think I could have done more. <laughs> um, but I, I needed I needed the fresh air. And so that's been a more regular part of my post pandemic post lockdown um, behavior. I've, I've been outside a lot more. Yeah, I think I remember during lockdown, that time where, um, you know, everyone was kind of coming out of their homes, going for a walk with their family um, at 
what kind of that dusk hour. It was almost like all the zombies were coming out <laughs> of the work. Everyone was like out at the same time doing their walks around the block with kids and in the group numbers that they needed to be in with yeah, getting, yeah. you know getting pets out there and getting fresh air and yeah. what have you. So that was quite an interesting time as well. I remember that part. The post school day, post work day, yes. get out and see something different because the four walls of one room get old. Yeah. Absolutely. And even like, yeah, for the, for the working, you know, husbands and, you know, wives out there, then, you know, they were stuck inside all day. They, they didn't even get a chance to do their daily commute anywhere. No, that's true. That's true. And I think we were, I guess you kind of touched on it before, but we were lucky living in Asia to a degree because I guess they realized how, um, how serious you know, COVID-19 when it first came out was, you know, something that people were, I guess, a little bit frightened of at the time because, you know, they yeah. lived, you know, bird flu before and been exposed to that kind of thing. And I think the adoption of wearing masks and things around Singapore was a lot earlier than some other westernised countries, would you say? Yeah, definitely it was. Definitely it was. And I, I do feel like um, they made a lot of really good moves to, to try to keep general public safe and particularly those that are more vulnerable. And I was happy to play my part in, in that. Yeah. And then the other side of things, I think we're probably one of the slower countries to remove some of those. Come out of it. As well. <laughs> so that was the good part. And then there's also the bad part, which we're still kind of experiencing now. Like, you know, for those people who, you know, maybe haven't lived in Singapore before or, you know, somewhere overseas where they, you know, the adoption of wearing masks was quite, you know, a common thing here, whereas we westernised countries, they're not really used to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, what are some of the positives that you've taken out of the pandemic um, versus some of the negatives? I would expect that negatives would include things like being away from extended family and friends for a longer period of time. Oh, goodness, the not being able to travel, not knowing when we could see each other again. Um, that was definitely a negative. Being able to to now plan to spend time together, and we ha- I have managed to reconnect um, with both my family and my husband's family since travel has opened up. But it's just so precious. It was so noticeable that we hadn't seen each other for years. Um, but my kids being able to connect with their cousins, it was just such a beautiful time when we finally did get to get together. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 will forever be a priority. I think it it was before, but it has a little bit of a different flavor now. Yeah, it's just that little bit more special now. <laughs> and I think there's yeah, some people still haven't been able to be reunited with their friends and family. But I think now slowly the world is opening up at the time of this recording. Um, how difficult was it for you to travel the first time? I guess during Oh God, just before, what is it, like COVID pandemic version 2.0? I can't even remember what the strain was called. Is it Alpha, Delta, whatever it was called? Uh, yeah, so I actually, well, I probably traveled the first time before, maybe before Delta was, was really rampant. I feel like people weren't talking about it as much. Um, and again, I, I am such a rule follower. 
that I had so much anxiety traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, we, that was at a time when we had to test, uh, before departure, we had to test on arrival. Um, we traveled, so my husband is Danish. We traveled home to Denmark and it was at least in a medical system that we were familiar with and testing was actually readily available easier than going to someplace that was completely foreign. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have been able to travel to someplace that was just for the fun of traveling at that point. Yeah. And I think it, that, that was the priority, right? Was just traveling to somewhere where you could see friends and family. Where we were seeing family. It wasn't yeah. a vacation or anything. No, no. I did feel like telling people that we were traveling had, had to come with a reason. We're traveling yeah. to go and visit family because it, it was just at a point where I had a lot of anxiety still about traveling. Are we really doing the right thing? Is it still safe? But the reason was to go and see family. And in the end, that trumps everything. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody, I mean, towards the end of last year, so we're talking about 2021 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. End of that period when everyone was starting to be reunited with family to a degree, there was, as you outlined a lot of different requirements to get in and out of countries and back into this country as well. I mean, you kind of had to apply to get back in here. Um, yeah, so it was stressful. And I think it still does remain to be largely a little bit stressful, but a lot of PCR testing and things have been dropped by the wayside. Yeah. So it is making it easier to yeah, national destinations too. So, yeah. Well, and for, for some people that um is still anxiety riddled i i should i should say that we managed to escape covid for quite a while but my family was hit this spring so uh i think april of 2022 was when it finally finally came to our house um traveling without having had it i really felt scared yeah um and now it's not to say that we can't get COVID again. We are fully vaccinated. I feel like we've done our part. We will be masked traveling. We're hand sanitizer is always around. I'm not worried this time around. We've, we've now had it once. I feel like we're okay. We can, we can manage, but yeah. um, there, there was a little bit of a, for the longest time, I felt a stigma attached to, Oh well, they weren't careful enough. They've got COVID. That that's not that's simply just not true. It doesn't make sense. I think everyone's much more accepting of it now that anyone can get it any time, and it's just unfortunately the bad luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah, it it has been difficult, but I I think a lot of people are getting much more relaxed about it and just treating it like the flu. I think I think particularly now that. vaccines are out and most people are vaccinated if you're able to be um it it does also make a difference i think the worries aren't quite what they what they used to be beforehand no and do you think that the pandemic i feel like i know the answer to this question but you know has the pandemic dampened your experience of living in singapore over the last couple of years yes however (laughs) i don't want (laughs) to It, that would have been the case anywhere, right? And I'm trying to remind myself of, of that part. Yes. These years would have been difficult, regardless of the location. I think the extra complication is just, is being away from that extended family. 
unit. And also that Singapore at the time of, well, okay, so I moved to Singapore in uh, July of 2019. And I moved to Singapore uh, with the conscious plan of taking things slowly. Yeah. I I did not jump into social networks, um, meeting people and making new friends. I, I was intentional about that. Um, but now in hindsight, given that there also was a pandemic that, that hit, you know, six months later, I didn't have the opportunity to, when I was feeling ready to get out and meet new people, I didn't have the opportunity to do so. So yeah. that also made it difficult. Yeah, and nobody would have thought on the horizon that there was this global pandemic coming that was going to make life so different to what we all knew it was. Yeah, no, I didn't think that I had to plan for that. That's for sure. It definitely wasn't on the cards. And I've got to, you know, I can kind of relate to that, even though I was here a year before you got here. So July 2018 is when we moved to Singapore. But um, I feel like because my son was so little at the time, once he was at an age where I had him in preschool so many days a week, that's when the pandemic hit. (laughs) And I then didn't have that chance to go and meet new friends and socialise and find my network and all that kind of thing too. So, yeah, I just felt like, oh, I have time to make those friends and make those connections and explore different places in Singapore. But, yeah, I guess you just don't know what's around the corner, do you? No, no. Turns out none of us know the future. No, that's right. And I guess it can, it really reinforces just to live every day every day to its fullest, and you know, try and have something planned. Um, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Try and have something planned, of course. I mean, no one's going to predict a worldwide pandemic, but um, put yourself out there and um, yeah, do those things that you need to do. Get that bucket list moving and all that sort of stuff. Even just the, the regular day to day plans of hey, let's go for a walk or let's let's meet up for a coffee it helps it helps mentally move through time you feel like you've you've had a connection to friends and and to your local network yeah totally 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 so yes i'm looking forward to poland then as your next destination yes we'll see how i do about jumping in right away yeah so i had a conscious conscious plan of taking things slowly here in Singapore. I have the opposite plan in Poland. Um, <laughs> what are you planning to do differently? Well, I, I think exactly kind of just as we just spoke, reason for my, my plan of taking things slowly here in Singapore is that I didn't want to have too many expectations. I wanted there to be space and time to settle. And while that is still true, I want there to be space and time to settle. I want to feel settled more quickly than than not and I think part of that is finding new friends and finding new connections so my plan now is to to reach out to all of the different networks and see which ones stick right find find the community of expats find uh in my case I'd like to find a, a community of sewers I would like to find somebody who wants to walk their dog with me. Find school parents. I'll try anything and everything to see what sticks. Yeah, that's so good. And it's going to be so good for your mental well-being and health as well. 
to make those connections as quickly as you can to help you settle in and yeah make you feel at home yeah I hope so I hope so I'm still learning <laughs> the, this expat life is not something that I've mastered by any means so I will try something new this time always time to learn something new no matter where you are and what you're doing awesome well before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Ooh, okay. um, so are you an indoor or outdoor workout kind of gal? Oh, definitely outdoor. Outdoors, of course. I knew you would say that. And the weather here in Singapore just means that you don't even really have to look at the weather forecast because it's generally always hot. Um, it's very predictable. It's yeah. really hot. Or bring an umbrella for the rain. Yeah, but even if it's wet, I'm not – too terribly worried especially in workout gear because it's not going to be cold if I go for a run and it starts raining well I will make it home and I would have been wet regardless if I'm honest yeah for sure with the, with the heat there's enough sweating that, <laughs> that it still needs a shower yeah yeah you're going to be hot and sweaty anyway so what does it matter I, I do like to get my fresh air in yeah definitely I've got to agree with you on that one my next one, probably not so applicable to Singapore. It's about seasons. <laughs> we don't really experience different seasons here. It's just generally hot or a different derivative of hot. But when you're in a country that does have seasons, like Poland upcoming soon, what season do you like the most and why? I, oh, I like summer. I, I like the light. I, I actually really like heat as well. Yeah. I like the light, the sunshine, and, and, and the heat. Yeah, I've got to agree with you on that one. I really do like summer. I do like other seasons as well for different reasons, but I am a summer girl. All right. Now, what's one thing you can't live without? Fresh air. I've learned that. I spent my time indoors in the during lockdown, and I need fresh air. <laughs> That's an easy one, isn't it? And do you have a favorite quote or saying? Oh, uh, to travel is to live. Uh, oh, that is a quote from Hans Christian Andersen, um, the fairy tale writer. Yeah. So explore the world. And what's one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? I think this one is, again, about identity. Um, I, my younger self, I thought I was going to be this someone, and that someone is always and forever changing. And I think my younger self um, – could have used learning that lesson a little bit earlier that I, I becoming who I am um, wasn't or isn't a goal but a journey. Yeah, it's it's so interesting when we think about you know heading back in time and things that we may do differently and stuff. But that's just so pertinent as well. It's so good. I love it. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Bethany. I hope you've enjoyed your time having our little chat. I have been cozy. Yeah, and I hope it's given our audience a little bit of an insight into what it's like being an expat and some of the challenges that we face. I've enjoyed having our chat today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me, and I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you love what you're hearing, please share the love and tell your friends about the podcast. I would be super grateful if you could rate, review or subscribe to help more people embrace a healthy move. For more resources or details about today's episode, 
you can head on over to ahealthymove.com or reach out to me with your thoughts and ideas about the podcast anytime via Instagram. My handle is at ahealthymove and I'll chat to you on the next episode real soon.